Throughout the entire month of December, Talk Cosmos is giving away a beautiful 2020 moon calendar for those of you listening during any broadcast of Talk Cosmos on KKNW. Just give us a call at 888-298-5569 and Talk Cosmos will mail you this unique 2020 moon calendar designed by Ursula Stockter, who is an astrologer, painter, and Mexico representative for Kepler Latino America Astrology Software at Ursula's Cultural Center in Mexico City. And it can be yours by calling 888-298-5569. Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello again, Sue Rose Minahan, Talk Cosmos, and tonight has several dates because, well, I'll explain it, today is December 14th. However, you may be listening to this also on the repeat of the 19th on Thursday and again on the 26th, the day after Christmas, because on the solstice, that wonderful, um, um, avail, uh, whatever I'm trying to say, that um, date where the sun is the least in the northern hemisphere, we've been canceled due to the UW women's uh, basketball team. They're in a tournament. So therefore, this will, this conversation tonight is going to stretch way over the cusp and with its mighty leader, its traveling destiny using Jupiter because Jupiter has just entered or ingressed as we say in astrology, Capricorn. That was December 2nd until the 20th, I believe, of this 2020 in December. And there happens to be a stellium. That means more than three planets, although there are really essentially leading up to planets and and points. Five, I think even six, with different transits because the Shorter transits, in other words, those planets like Venus that take that uh, orbit quickly around the sun, uh, only stay for a shorter period of time. So it will enter; it will be in Capricorn and then go on as the sun approaches. Anyway, these details we will discuss, but I want to bring up the three points that we are, for those astrologers that want to look at their own chart somewhere. Because it's eclipse season. That has many definitions in a way, but it can be two weeks prior to an eclipse and then two weeks after. And in this case, we have a solar eclipse on the 25th on the West Coast and the 26th, because it's three hours later, just after midnight on the East Coast, And then two weeks after that, there's a lunar eclipse. So for this conversation, we will pretty predominantly lead on the first half of it, which will be leading up to the solar eclipse. And there was, that would have started with a Gemini, which is only three days ago, the Gemini full moon on December 11th. And that was here on the West Coast at 9.12 p.m. And again, on the East Coast at 12 minutes after midnight. Then we're going to the solstice, which 
is signified by the sun entering zero degrees Capricorn. And that will be on the 21st Saturday. And again, you can hear the recording if you tune in that day, but also it'll be available or live on the Thursdays at 6 in the morning. But that's at 8.20 p.m. on the West Coast and on the East Coast, 11.20 the same day on the 21st, that Saturday. And then going up into our great solar, which is the new moon eclipse in Capricorn, four degrees Capricorn. And at that point, Jupiter, our friend in transit, will be very close, conjunct, as we call it, within a degree. But that's here on the West Coast, December 25th at 9.13 p.m. Or on our friendly East Coast, where our guest is at the moment, who I will quickly introduce, is will be at 13 minutes after midnight on the 26th. So it will be a potent Christmas. Tonight, I am most pleased to introduce again Laura Tad, Dr. Laura Tad, Ph.D. in human science, and she's an internationally known psychological astrologer. She's a consultant, and she teaches and lectures online and in person and blogs uh, for many prestigious, I say prestigious, which they are, uh, uh, publications. The Mountain Astrologer, which is the bedrock of many astrologers to keep in touch. So if you haven't joined and you're interested in getting a great learning experience, do subscribe to The Mountain Astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. She's one of the astrologers with them, so that gives it a great quality. She's an astrologer and educator facilitator as a board member at Lived Life Resources which is an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency education, research, and advocacy. So Laura is really active on many terms and definitely an active member on an international basis with astrology. So it's very exciting. Hi, Laura. It's Oh, and I should mention, Laura has been on other programs. So if you go to past episodes, she was in 2018, that first year, during Cancer in July, and during Libra, and then this year, 2019, she helped start off the first month on with Fire, the Seed of Potential. So we're leading on now. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Sue. It's good to be on again. Yeah, I was just double-checking what other... I knew it had been three other times, but I was trying to remember what other signs we've done. Um, so it's good, even though I've been on four times, it's been a variety as what they seem to be mostly cardinal. Well, they <laughs> are. I just noticed we're finishing up the cardinals. We, yeah, um, we kind of started at the, the root and then we went to relationships, then over to areas. Yeah, no, I'm a cancer, so maybe that's the, you know, we keep focusing <laughs> on cardinal signs because of that. Um but yes, so much going on in the sky right now. It's a little <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, when you look at that, you know, the stellium we're in and that only sort of grows in the coming weeks. It does. Um, as it marches on to 
January 12th, as everybody remembers when it's. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's, you know, and it's a, as I was preparing for today, you know, trying to not get too caught up in the, well, hmm, basically the vote that happened in England and the uh, impeachment hearings, that mm-hmm. is what all of this astrology speaks to and trying to, okay, what else to not sort of tap into the fear and anxiety that I think that brings up for a lot of people, but it is very much reflective of the astrology right now. Um, well, I might add so much more. You're right. And you know, Capricorn, because we are approaching Cap, well, as far as the archetype, we're still in Sagittarius, but the point is with all these planets in Capricorn, fear versus mastery is really the byword. So it is very natural because one wants to make plans and because it is a socially structural uh, archetype that involves our society and there's so many other people, I suppose people get fearful of what other people or plans are going to make in their power. But with Jupiter and Capricorn, I think maybe we'll get more, well, more grounded. Hopefully. I mean, I try, I, I have a tendency to, you know, I have a sad rising. So I, I tend to put a positive spin on things, right? That Sagittarius Pollyanna perspective of the world um, and look at it and go, the potentiality is phenomenal. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Well, we right? have to remember I that. Mean, the, I'm, I'm sure you'll talk about this in January, but you know the astrology we are moving into with this Pluto-Saturn alignment in Capricorn has not happened since Luther's excommunication from the church. It's, it's fantastic, yes, the, the potential of So change. that, and it's this mixed, it's this double-edged sword because at that time, and we're feeling that now, and that's part of what's going on in the UK and part of what we're experiencing in this country politically is the, at that time, you know, several centuries ago, um, the omnipotent power of the Catholic Church had to be broken up. They had universal power throughout Europe, and that had to not continue. And Luther's excommunication from the church absolutely initiated a lot of that deconstruction and that breaking up of power. It was not a peaceful transition. And so that's this edge that we're in is like, how do we redefine authority and power and mastery and how that power versus power over in a way that can be empowering for everyone. And I think that's part of what I was looking at, you know, and pulling up just the chart for the, the solstice that we're coming into, you know, and looking at, you know, so, well, that combined with the eclipse, um, and I don't know if you want to jump in, but this Capricorn cancer polarity, that is because all eclipses involve the nodes, right? That that's what makes it an eclipse. Right. Um, and the need to nurture. Ooh. The north collectively we are having to go to cancer. 
collectively we are having to embody this nurturing archetype of cancer. And that's nurturing the self, nurturing each other, nurturing the planet. And that that's part of this. You can't sort of talk about this Capricorn stellium and this eclipse without talking about the polarity point of cancer and the need to mother. Laura, that's profound and really is essentially roots. <laughs> roots, I, I think of cancer you know, as a seed of fertility. Yes, of our, the scope of how to really frame the events. You know, when you said about redefining the authority, which is so true and make it peaceful, because with maybe the cardinal signs, which right now are the Capricorn cancer and the access, including Aries and uh, Libra. Aries, Libra, of course, is it's, it's frequently us, them, or me, the, you know, it's polar, it, the polarity is, but really, I was just noticing with some of my references that I, and there's a woman that wrote from an indigenous perspective on gender reconciliation, and Ooh. scanning speaks to exactly what you're saying because really it's looking at the unity that really regardless this kind of teamwork effort that's necessary rather than I mean we have roles which are necessary with Capricorn but but speaking back to the cancer nurturing of mm-hmm. of caring and and some of the astro- some of the points too in the chart gave reference to really that deep, a genuine love of caring and nurturing for others. And I suppose mm-hmm. that was Ceres when I think about it. And what is Ceres doing right now? I was looking at it. Oh, she's in Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for the, the solstice, by the time we reach the solstice, she's not there yet, but Venus will have ingressed into Aquarius. And oh, so yes. that, again, is sort of love of humanity, right? That's part of Aquarian archetype is, is the collective. Um, and it's interesting because for the solstice, she's in a T-square, right? So this tension, a T-square being, you know, right? So the moon and Uranus will be in opposition for the solstice. And then they're both being squared by Venus. Yes. And so it's a T-square, right? Yes, there's always yes. when there's, it creates, you know, this view people that aren't astrologers, right? It's sort of half of a square. If a, like a full, if you were writing out, drawing a square, a T-square is half of that. It's like a, a dead end. It has an opposite, a lane and then a road that goes right into it. <laughs> um, and part of the way you break up that tension, because what that creates is this sense of values being challenged. And again, that's where I, I go like, okay, well, we can see it very clearly politically, but our collective values, what we think is important and this sort of chaotic energy that Uranus brings in um, and having to change at a radical level, we're being forced to change what we value at a collective level. And the potentiality of that, the gift of that is wow, maybe everybody will start valuing the earth. That's a possibility. Oh, 
know, um, maybe we'll start recognizing our the value in community and and also our individual role in it because part of how you break out of the tension of a T square is you go to its polarity point, you go to its opposite. So we have to go to Leo. So we have to be creative and we have to recognize our individual role in the collective and not get lost in groupthink, right? Yeah. In mob mentality, in being a lemming, because that's that's what this square forces us to break up doing, and, and have our saying, own leadership. Okay, be our own leadership, and at the same time that we recognize the value in community, we recognize that each individual plays a vital role to that community functioning. That it can't operate long-term without individual roles being played. Um, and recognizing each the value that each person plays, right? If you work in an office, well, everybody's role from the CEO to the janitor is critical because if the janitor doesn't take out the trash, pretty soon the office is gonna become unmanageable to work in. And so recognizing that interrelationship between the collective and things functioning in their interrelatedness, as well as the individual role each person plays. It, it gives dignity. It's part of that Leo idea of the dignity of each life to manifest. Yeah. And so that's part of what potential, part of this energy that the solstice brings in, just because that T-square happens to hit. You know, just, I mean, just as we're in the solstice. Um, and, you know, it's exact a couple hours before, actually, because the moon's at eight degrees at the moment of the solstice, but it's still, you know, six degree orb with a square. That's, you're good. <laughs> you know? No, I'm glad you call that a square. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. It's really potent of. Uh, of the well I'm thinking of polarity but the uh, tension you know that's a lot of it because to, to create and and it's such a ping pong with other people too but there's now which chart again are we talking uh, because they all kind of combine sure so at the moment I was looking at the solstice okay and I mean I have it set for Georgia because that's where I'm living but the Aspects are the same. It's just the houses would change. Yep. So, you know, it's 1120 or 1119.26 here. Um, and, right, so we get the moon at just almost nine, right? It's eight degrees, 59 minutes. So basically nine degrees Scorpio for the right. solstice. Um, and then Uranus at two and, Saturn, and Venus at two, Aquarius. So that's a super tight square. It is. Right. I mean, that's within 30 minutes of exact. Um, and yeah, so that in looking at, at the solstice chart, which, you know, is before, you know, five days before we get this eclipse. Um, was, that particular chart has a lot of merit. You know, when the light is the dimmest here, 
and there's growth and potential. Potential, back to that great word, which is really what we need because choices are endless and together the synchronicity works. I'm just talking generally speaking. Yeah. But, um, and you know, interestingly too there, here, see, on the West Coast, it's all in the fourth house of our roots and our family Mm -hmm. and the Mars too. So it really wants us to act emotionally, you know, look at emotions, uh, go experience and, and, and this, these, well, I'm exactly with that. In fact, uh, boy, yeah, it, because there's, in some ways, I think, too, I was noting that there's not a lot of stability. It's sort of like we know that the world is, is shifting. Like, for instance, I just got a new computer. I had Windows 7, so it was time, and mine crashed, so it was fortuitous that I had another computer. But the process now that I'm learning it is welcomed. I'm Mm -hmm. discovering that it accesses all these new abilities. But it was difficult, which is in a very minor term, the difficulties involving like Martin Luther, not not Martin Luther, but Martin, yes, the the Reformation, not Reformation, Mm -hmm. but with Luther, Lu- yeah. Yes, with Luther that he made. Martin, yeah, it was Martin Luther. Yeah, I keep going to Ed yeah. King, but yeah. yes, Martin Luther. And so the tremendous shifts that, and many others that were happening during that time. But the fact is, is that life did improve on a lot of factors. And so we're sensing this and, and feeling these uncertainties, rightfully so, and yeah. how we're exchanging our resources and because if our institutions change, the resources we have change, and everything is related. And so as you're pointing out, finding, remembering that it's not really the emphasis is to remember the other through nurturing. It's, I really... Yeah, I mean, I think, again, that. that goes back to this piece of the fact that despite the fact that a third of the sky is in Capricorn that the North Node is in Cancer. And that is, you know, at an individual level, the North Node is the soul's evolution. It's where we're headed. It's what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to grow. Well, from a mundane perspective, okay, that's what's being asked of the world, of the population of the world at the moment, collectively. And and Uh, is to care. Yeah, and and as I was reading actually from Solar Fire, a little definition here, which said, because I was researching in my own little bit because of this new computer, but it mentioned that it's because it's a south node, and here, because it's in the fifth house here, which again is locality, which I'm not sure it's probably, it's not in the same house, but it's to serve humanity, which again, though, relates to that, the collective of the 11th house, so letting go of possessive in, in the, it, so that it can be more detached and serve on a broader scale. Yeah. All of this. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, here um, it's fourth house. So then we get this cancer, or the south node is in the fourth. 
But with um, Ceres in the fifth house, that em- mm-hmm. sort of echoes it in the same idea too. That's yeah, I, I think, you know, and they always, you know, when I was first starting to study astrology, um, a lot of books or my teacher, original teacher would talk about the rule of three oh, yes. in astrology, right? Of like looking for things thematically that show up in the chart and it shows up once, okay, there's some probability, two, much stronger, shows up three, it's sort of guaranteed to manifest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when you do get these archetypal themes showing up over and over and over again um you know the likelihood or the magnitude of which it manifests is much stronger i mean that's part of why you know pluto's been in capricorn for 10 years at this point almost but we haven't seen what we're seeing now until saturn got close um, because then we're getting this repeated archetype of this Capricorn Saturnian archetype showing up close to Pluto. It reinforced. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's sort of, you know, squared or t- like to the second power, right? Which is sort of to move into a little bit of the um, eclipse is sort of how I think about a solar eclipse is sort of like a new moon squared, right? A new moon oh, to yes. the second power. Because um, it's, happening like it it just gets magnified um because they're similar in archetype in terms of what they usher in um and so it's like to the second power yes talking the same language and besides that the influencing planet is in its own sign saturn which is sort of the temperature gauge regulating all the the conversation Yeah. And so that always, you know, planets are usually pretty comfortable in their own sign. Um, At least that's more of a traditional way of understanding it, but it does amplify it. And that in some ways, you know, it can be a hard placement for planets, even though they're similar archetypes. I mean, I think about natal moons and cancers are often a pretty hard moon to have. Oh, Uh, even though it's the ruling sign right? That moon and cancer people are so sensitive that it's a tricky moon to navigate the world with. I imagine uh-huh. it's always difficult to, if one doesn't have it. Although, again, looking at that relationship, for instance, well, I have moon in the first house. So I, sometimes I think to myself, I must be really sensitive to emotion, but I keep rationalizing them away. And <laughs> so it's been a lesson to realize, oh, no, you're going to feel this whether you, however you think about it. So deal, deal with it, you know? Sure. It, it is. Um, just looking at Jupiter, Ooh. threading that, and I'm looking back because it, you know, it's an early Capricorn. Yeah, just got there. Yeah, and with the full moon just a few days ago, three days ago, it was only two degrees of of Capricorn, mm-hmm. and so in some ways, it's trining. It's it's a supportive energy with Uranus. So, mm-hmm. on that sense, I suppose there's part of us that you wonder it could go one of two ways. Things always go one of two ways, you know, <laughs> in this world of material life. But on the positive, it could be, oh, this is a, a, a brainstorm of, of novelty, a newness. I mean, those are just a few words, but excitement of, of envisioning 
And then again, it can be, oh, my goodness, this is traumatic of, you know, the accentuation that Jupiter brings, you know, to everything. And the tricky thing with Uranus is, you know, is that he's the trickster. Mm. So it's such, yes, it's innovation and revolution and lightning strike sort of aha moments. Um, But there's such, it's such an interesting time to have it in Taurus because Taurus is such a stabilizing energy and Uranus is anything but. Um, And so that combination, I mean, that's where, you know, it's like, well, you could see that the Uranus tied into Jupiter right around the full moon. Um, Again, leading it back to politics, the vote in the UK and then the vote in, in the house. They're both these sort of big, hugely impactful decisions um, and that people on all sides sort of were surprised by, which is Uranus. Yeah. And there will be, well, we always know as far as astrology that as of the solstice, suddenly there's a huge tempo change. Because prior to Christmas, after Thanksgiving, with all the Sagittarius potentiality, optimism, you know, it's expansive, it looks forward, you know, it's, it's moving along, it's, it's embracing culture, philosophies, all of this broad scope. And then, so in other words, looking at the sun that's been in Sagittarius, looking to its confident or or inspirer, which would be Jupiter, which is in Saturn. One's had, okay, let's have some practicality. Let's look at the structure of things. But yet it's still on that other focus. So as of the solstice, when the sun goes into Capricorn, it really will change some of the dynamics. I mean, mean, this is pretty general, but it, but then again, as far as the public goes, you know, it's always that shortly just before Christmas. And in this case, there's this huge emphasis of, 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 of structure or practicality or. Yeah. And I think there's a piece too, with all of it, that's about accountability. Oh, yes. I mean, that's a lot of what Capricorn and Saturn are about is, is right. I mean, particularly sort of, right. That's often what gets brought up for people during their Saturn returns is, oh, wait, I have to be accountable for my actions. Okay. Consequences. Um, (laughs) And so I think that that's part of that is where, you know, what have we backburnered that we can't continue to do anymore and we have to be accountable and we have to be, you know, sort of held our feet. We're getting, having our feet held to the fire and having to own up to things and take responsibility for where things are our responsibility and where, and within that, also not taking responsibility for things that are not our responsibility. Ooh, this is excellent. And this reminds me, we'll take a brief uh, break here for an announcement, but this really ties into some of the others. Aries spark of seed of power i don't remember the exact title but this is talk cosmos and it is december 14th or the 19th and 26th and we're talking about jupiter impacting capricorn
While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Sagittarius, ruled by the largest of all planets, Jupiter, the Roman god, or Zeus by the ancient Greeks. By leaving a cycle based on power and powerlessness of life and death and regeneration, involving committed relationships, Sagittarius energy finds meaning for an expanded perspective and potential for actualization in their search for truth. As a mutable fire sign depicted by the centaur, Sagittarius is adventurous and seeks the beyond. Sagittarius travels to far places, physically and mentally, to find the truths of life. Throughout the entire month of December, Talk Cosmos is giving away a beautiful 2020 moon calendar for those of you listening during any broadcast of Talk Cosmos on KKNW. Just give us a call at 888-298-5569 and Talk Cosmos will mail you this unique 2020 moon calendar designed by Ursula's doctor, who is an astrologer, painter, and Mexico representative for Kepler Latino America Astrology Software at Ursula's Cultural Center in Mexico City. And it can be yours by calling 888-298-5569. Hello, this is Kathleen Talevich physiosynthesis instructor, and you are listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m., hosted by Sue Rose Minahan, every Saturday from 6 to 7 p.m. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk, 1150. Hi again, this is Talk Cosmos with Dr. Laura Tad, and we're discussing Jupiter and Capricorn, and we're covering through the 21st because there was a cancellation due to a basketball uh, college game. So at any rate, we're going on. And, you know, Laura, I was just thinking, there's a couple of thoughts. One is I was noticing the Capricorn mythology, of which had to do about the sea goats, Mm-hmm. And because you were talking about responsibility, and, <laughs> and and which is actually who do we have it except for ourselves? And generally, because I have to remind myself about this legend, but what it is is Priscus, as P R I C U S, was uh, the sea goat, and he had all these little sea goats, and they were all in the water. But it turned out that when they would go to land, they would drop their tail and just become goats, and they would forget the ocean, according to this, and. And he felt, oh, they he feared they'd be mindless and never be able to return to the sea. And so he decided to reverse time, which I've not ever really, well, perhaps because of traditions. That's an interesting way that one mm-hmm. could relate, you know, the, the vast antiquity of time, which is why we have these favored traditions. And right now we're really looking to see what we want to keep. But the point was here, Priscus, he'd reverse it. And so the goats would revert before they came to land. But, you know, it turns out that, um, and he tried to warn them, but nevertheless it happened. So finally there's this pivotal moment where he realizes he can't control destiny of his children and no matter what to start over. So he resigns himself to loneliness, according to this take on it and chooses no longer to reverse time and let his kids live their lives out. So really, it is, in a sense, that personal responsibility. Everybody has their own choice. And 
and that. So and surrendering to that, which yeah. is mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> you know, when you in all kinds of situations, right? In relationship and in intimate relationship, it's really easy to fall for people's potential rather than where they're actually at in life. Oh yes. Um, and then we feel disappointed because they're not who we believe they could be, right? Yes. <laughs> Which isn't really fair, but yeah. it's really common. Um, and, and that desire to, you know, that's that sort of archetypal parent thing, which is part of why Capricorn is often associated with father, is father knows best, mm. right? Just like the TV so, show, yeah. Yeah. Um, that he knew what was best for his children, even if he didn't, but he believed he did. Um, I think it also relates back to part of the Saturnian mythology of Saturn being banished because he was trying to control his children by eating them. Oh, yeah. Right. So um, that he wouldn't be dethroned or, right. or and it's, it was. Have his power usurped. Yeah. Um, and, but there was that, he's banished, right? There's this isolation again with Saturn that shows up in the Capricorn mythology. Um, and um, rather than the nurturing, again, which is that cap- the Cancerian polarity that's about connection. Um, and not, I mean, the healthy part of that Capricorn piece is healthy boundaries. Right. That's part of that, like what we take responsibility for and not trying to control or feel responsible for things that are actually out of our control. And um, and only taking responsibility for what we're responsible for. It's major. And that really gets to the access, the cardinal access again, knowing what is self and what is others and what we might be projecting by not realizing. And I want to add that the part of this too was Priscus uh, in his misery, not to be the only sea goat, that Cronus, which is really Saturn, uh, said, yes, you can be immortal in the sky as a constellation in Capricorn. So as it ends in this interpretation, that even the, the, that Priscus could see his children even on the highest mountaintops, Right stars, you know. So there is again this great sense of allowing boundaries in another way that that body is that person, that spirit. I'm me, and and be glad for it, nurturing, you know, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I do think that that's a lot of um what this this particular solstice ushers in, and. You know, you can't really divorce it too much from the eclipse that's just a few days later. Um, And that it is actually the, I was looking at it, this is the third eclipse in Capricorn this year. Wow. Oh my goodness. I did not realize Second new moon, third eclipse. So we had a new moon in Capricorn in January. And um, and then there was a solar eclipse in Capricorn at 15 degrees Capricorn in January, a lunar eclipse at 24 degrees Capricorn in July, and then a solar eclipse again 
on the 26th. Oh, the so this year has been bookended by Capricorn eclipses. Well, that is exceptional. You know, and I was, that is exceptional because it's so incremental. You know, when you break away, well, just create and destroy. You know, it's a whole idea of Kali, I think, and life. You know, spring, winter, the seasons, life comes up, it falls apart, it rebirths, et cetera. But it's, it, it just gives the power, the thought to me that this takes a lot of time. I mean, we, mm-hmm. nothing happens at one stage. It's going to work. And, you know, I was looking, I have a page of 1776, because political, there is a lot to, one could always talk about, and which you have gratefully brought in. But there, there were also five eclipses, and I did not research oh. a lot. I think it was five, January, February, February, July, July. Well, right, and we had more August. eclipses than that. I mean, there was a cancer, there was a cancer eclipse on, the, on my birthday. <laughs> um, on the 2nd of July. Oh, my. Uh, so we had lots of, we've had more eclipses this year. This is just, those are only the Capricornian eclipses. Those are all, and it fell in each decant, not chronologically, but 15, 24, 4, almost 10 degrees apart, too. Yeah, and then, and when you think about it, eclipses last for a period of time. So we're really living a year of eclipses, you could say. And it appeared that, because I'm just looking back there, there was one, there was a solar eclipse, but it was in Cancer. So that Mm -hmm. would have been the opposite. It would have been 23 degrees Cancer, July 15th, 1776, just after we ratified or Ooh, declared the Declaration our, of mm-hmm, Independence. Of Independence, and uh, the nodes were. Uh, let me think here. They were there in Leo. Well, it would have to be the Cancer Capricorn archetype. I just don't know which was the eclipse on the north or south node. Would be the well. It, the nodes, I believe, are in Leo and Aquarius, but be, it's twenty-three degrees, so it oh, must so. have been. It's a partial. So it was yeah. pretty broad away, but it still it was still an eclipse, and so and that was twenty three degrees, which is square, or actually opposite, you could say, of where Pluto is right now. So I'm just thinking that in some strange way we're. Well, I don't know if it's strange. I mean, it's strange in a sense, just relating it, but. But all these energies, so much political, so much talk about the Constitution and everything else. Goes well, back. I think it absolutely gets tied into the lunar eclipse at 24 Capricorn that was in yes, July. there you go. This year. And that's what this whole impeachment thing is about, was a talk that happened this summer. Yes, which would be exactly conjunct or within exactly. a degree. Like almost of, to the day. Yeah, I mean, like, all that's where, you know, you can't Pluto make and, this bleep. no. <laughs> No, no. Yeah, it's you know, it's just it's it, it's just the math. Like when some people are like, "Oh, well, how do you <laughs> you know believe astrology?" I'm like, I can't make up the like trig. The tri- the mathematics is the mathematics of it. It is cycles exactly, and it is mathematics and Fib- Fibonacci and so much more. And then relating the personal experience just watching how things fall into place it's it's 
uh, eye-opening. It's it's always a, a reconnection. That's so true. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't know. There's so it's we could do like two hours. Ooh, just you know, some easily. of the candidates. It'll be interesting because uh, Buttiger is a Capricorn. Well, actually, he's right on the cusp. 18 of January. I happen to see mm. a list here. Oh, that's yeah. So we'd have to get the time. That's close enough that yeah. it's tricky to know without. And but that's something else. Well, let's see. We have well the I'm looking at Pluto and Capricorn and mm -hmm. ending of an era is the thought. Yeah, I mean we still have a ways to go before he ingresses into Aquarius. But yes. Till 2026, I think, or 20. Yeah, it's, it's a while. 2024. No, I think it's 20. Yes, it's it's a while. That's right. As we go through other processes, but looking at where to gravitate this, because it gets thoughts do get to be. Oh my goodness, what and where and how. But looking at the solar eclipse, you know, mm -hmm. Jupiter. Going back to Jupiter, that's our thread. It yeah. is so close to the sun and the moon of this December 25th or 26th. Yeah. Yes, a new moon eclipse in Capricorn. So it is really going to emphasize the belief structure. Let's reframe a belief structure that, as you said, takes in accountability, takes in responsibility, that sees reality. It's grounded and, yeah. and is still with... A sh trying to embrace change because the great trickster, as you've you know identified, uh, Uranus is still in Taurus because it's on its seven year. Yeah, and it's program. trining all of that. It is. It's accentuating it. It's saying, so, and that's where like trines are tricky because. You know, they often, you know, sort of early on in one's education with astrology sort of get the narrative squares or trines are good, squares are bad. Well, no, trines are just easy flows of energy. Right. But that there's no value placed on that. So, you know, like when I wrote an article, one of the articles I wrote for the Mountain Astrologer was the, the shadow of trines. Because, you know, like you could have natally a Mercury trine Jupiter. Well, all that means is you talk all the time. It doesn't mean you have anything of value to contribute to the conversation. It means you talk all the time. Yes. You find it easy to, to pontificate. Well, looking at this further, looking at the rulers are influencing mm -hmm. planets, as Carolyn Casey would say. You know, Uranus in Taurus and Venus, its ruler, they're mutually receptive because reception because it's yep. in Aquarius. They're in each other's So signs. they're really talking values and hopefully elevating because both of them have that potentiality of elevating. Yeah. I mean, at least, well, during their, it's just Pat, they will, they are squared earlier. They're squared during the solstice, but they're not squared um, for the eclipse. So yeah. it's interesting. Like, they're in mutual reception, but they pass through a square. So now that maybe wow. they're re-talking about, okay, if we can get along, how can we improve things? That would be their name. Yeah. And again, squares aren't, aren't bad no they just Squares need to resolve are, things 
you have to address it. (laughs) Um, And um, the beauty of squares, I'm actually going to be speaking at the Astrological Society in Tucson in February on this, is that both sides of the archetype are held in, all parts of the archetype get held in check with the square. So the super chaoticness that could be Venus and Aquarius of like all values constantly changing and nothing really matters because it's all in flux always (laughs) Um, can't really manifest when it's squared Taurus because Taurus is like, Oh no, wait, you have to like what, what you value has importance and needs to be more concrete than this. And it keeps it in check. Um, And some of that Uranus and Taurus, you know, the shadow and the exalted part of the archetype are both held in check with the square. That's they can't, like, you can't only be part of the archetype in check. That doesn't, that's not logical. Oh, that's valuable. That's a good point. And, well, I will have, okay. And I'm thinking of Saturn. It really gets back to Saturn, too, because all the sun, the moon, Jupiter, are all looking at Saturn at 20 degrees Capricorn. And, of course, is Saturn is really a matter of an ongoing recalibration, a restructuring of its power, of its, of its, what traditions, what's the meaningfulness, along with Venus, of course, in everything. So we're in the big, long process. It's going to be quite something. Let me mention. And that maybe some traditions are okay to hold on to. Maybe we don't need to throw everything out, Right. Um, and maybe there's a part of, in some ways, sort of returning to a simpler, easier time that that's part of this turning back the clock that you were talking about, um, with the Capricorn archetype of, so for example, my stepmom and, and sister are in January going to be part of a ship crew that is trying to show the world that you can move freight with the wind and they don't it doesn't need to be on these enormous liners ocean liners that are incredibly polluting to the ocean with shipping containers and so they'll sail from germany to the to barbados and my stepmom and the ship goes back up the east coast of the u.s and back over to Europe, but my stepmom and sister like got off in Barbados. Um, but part of the point of this shipping company's mission is to show that there is a green way to move goods across the world. Oh, and so that's part of this, like going back to the old way. That's how stuff was moved around the earth oh, for yes. centuries. Oh, thank you, Laura. I think we've come to the final part of this and that brings up totally both Aronis and Venus in their percept inter I mean their mutual reception because of the wind you know with air and the, and the beyond and and back to the Saturn also that we were talking about with Jupiter and I, I just love how you rethread and pull life together next week actually remember folks the 21st is preempted, but this carries us through the solstice and into, this has been with Dr. Laura Tad, 
and you can find everything about her at Talk Cosmos. Just check the 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 bio. Uh, the bio. And next week we have, well, on the 28th, we have Carlos Galvin from Mexico City. And he is going to be giving the highlights of 2020. So it'll be quite exciting. And so we have about a few, about half a minute here that we can say part (laughs) until again, Laura. It's good to talk to you again, Sue. Oh, I look forward to it. I'm always readdressing how am I going to keep moving forward and I think oh we'll have to think of a way that we can connect more because your thoughtfulness is always valid I just love this so well I'm coming to Norwalk this coming year so I'm not speaking but I'll I miss the tribe so we'll get to connect in person got it we'll see you then all right yes love you thanks yeah To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.